We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 714 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Wednesday, December 6th, 2023, and we have yet another instance of a Washington, D.C. sports team getting done dirty via a draft lottery. So we have the 2023 MLB winter meetings going on. Uh, They're taking place in Nashville, Tennessee, started on Sunday or ending on Wednesday. One of the things that we now have at the MLB winter meetings is the MLB draft lottery. Uh, The Nationals at the 2022 MLB winter meetings got the number two overall pick in the 2023 MLB draft via the draft lottery. But The Nats, because they are what is called a payer club, meaning that they give revenue-sharing dollars as opposed to receive revenue-sharing dollars, were not eligible for this year's draft lottery. However, (laughs) the Nats' ping-pong balls remained in the draft lottery so as to not disrupt the process. I read to you from Baseball America Editor-in-Chief J.J. Cooper In a piece that came out on Tuesday evening, quote, MLB had looked at removing the Nationals of ping pong ball combinations from the draw, but discovered that it would reshape the odds. So instead, the Nationals 100 combinations remained with the provision that if any of them were selected, it would result in a null draw. That's exactly what happened with the first drawing. 3, 9, 11, 13 was a Nationals combination. A null drawing was called, end quote. (laughs) So the Nats on Tuesday actually won the draft lottery for the 2024 MLB draft, but because they were not allowed to participate in the lottery, they did not win the lottery. The Cleveland Guardians won the draft lottery, despite having had just a 2% chance of winning the lottery. And all of this is reminiscent of what happened with our Wizards in the NBA draft lottery 
this past May 16th. NBA insider Ben Golliver of the Washington Post, he on May 16th had the following on what was then known as Twitter, quote, the San Antonio Spurs won the NBA draft lottery and the right to select Victor Wembanyama with the ping pong ball combo 14-5-8-2. After the first three numbers were picked, the Washington Wizards had six of the possible 11 remaining numbers and barely missed, end quote. Yes, the Wizards fell one number shy of winning the Victor Wambanyana sweepstakes. Draft lotteries, not our friends as Washington, D.C. sports fans. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, a good friend of this podcast is Commander's Analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. And coming up next segment, an in-depth conversation with Mark on a number of of major commander's items right now. We know the state of the commander's season. It basically is over with still four games left for the team in this regular season. We know the state of Rod Rivera as commander's head coach. He basically is fired with still four games left for his team in this regular season. And so Mark and I are going to discuss some things that actually matter with our football team right now. We will talk about whether the commander's next football operations regime should be open to perhaps even looking to trade key players like receiver Terry McLaurin and interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. Should those guys be viewed as building blocks or as trade chips? Uh, Mark and I will talk about how quarterback Sam Howell played in the 45-15 loss to the Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field this past Sunday afternoon. Mark and I will talk about Terry McLaurin in that game having no receptions on a mere three targets. Uh, prepare to hear the best breakdown that you will hear of what went on with Terry in that game and why. Uh, Mark and I will talk about the truth about the commander's offensive line. Is it as bad as it has been made out to be. High-level, sober, X's and O's, commander's analysis from the great Mark Bullock is coming up next segment. I then will react to a certain something that was out there on Tuesday morning. NFL insider Josina Anderson of CBS Sports, she on Tuesday morning via a post on X said that the Chicago Bears are expected to have interest in commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy for a potential slash likely Bears head coaching vacancy. Uh, Is EB finally going to get his NFL head coaching job? Uh, And also on the show, I'll talk Virginia basketball. The Cavaliers routed North Carolina Central 77-47 at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia on Tuesday night. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Some Sam Howell feedback. Email from Kyle Goins, writes Kyle. As rough as Sam's last few games have been, I'm not all that discouraged from him. We have seen some flashes of greatness from him. Everyone harps on the sack record and now the interceptions. These are very important stats to be sure, but let's remember who holds the NFL record for most interceptions thrown by a rookie quarterback. In fact, looking at the stats, Sam's 2023 season doesn't look all that dissimilar from the Sheriff's first season. I'm not saying that Sam is the second coming of Peyton Manning, but I'm not giving up hope yet 
I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, thank you for the email, Kyle. Yes, Peyton Manning in his 1998 rookie regular season threw 28 interceptions for the Indianapolis Colts. I'd be careful about comparing stats from Sam Howell in 2023 to Peyton Manning 25 years ago for a lot of reasons, uh, principal among them, how different passing offense in the NFL is now as compared to then. But to Kyle's point, I do still believe that we with Sam this season have had more things to like than to not like. And when it comes to Sam's stats for this season, you got to factor in how often he's dropping back. Sam for this regular season is number one in the NFL in dropbacks by miles. 597 dropbacks per pro football focus. The next highest total is 502, which is for Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. So think about that. Sam, number one at 597. Patrick, number two at 502. Even when you factor in that the Commanders have played 13 games this regular season, that still is some discrepancy. Sam, number one at 597. Patrick, number two at 502. And so when we see these high sack and high interception totals for Sam Howell, (laughs) the frequency with which he's dropping back has got to be taken into account. Just like when we see how many passing yards that Sam has, the frequency with which he's dropping back has to be taken into account. I am not a fan of throwing a parade over Sam's passing yardage total. Uh, Sam for this regular season is number two in the NFL in passing yards, 3,466, but he's also number one in pass attempts, 509. And so Sam, for pro football reference, actually ranks just 23rd among all NFL quarterbacks in yards per pass attempt, 6.81. The number of pass attempts matters. But this also matters with the sacks and the interceptions. Uh, Sam has taken a lot of sacks, no doubt. He, for this regular season, has taken an NFL worst 58 sacks. But he, for pro football reference, has the sixth worst sack percentage among all qualified NFL quarterbacks. Not the worst, 10.2. Uh, Sam, for this regular season, has thrown an NFL worst 14 interceptions. But he, for pro football reference, has the fifth worst interception percentage among all qualified NFL quarterbacks, not the worst 2.8. People need to stop harping on the counting stats with Sam Howell and focus more on the rate stats with Sam. The rate stats matter much more. Email from Dr. Sabah, (laughs) the world's biggest fan of former Washington quarterback and current Atlanta Falcons quarterback, Taylor Heineke, a.k.a. Tay-Tay, writes Dr. Sabah, my dearest Al, it has been a while. I've tried my best not to bring up you-know-who, but I've reached my breaking point, so here you go. I just finished listening to your podcast for Tuesday, episode 713, and it inspired me to write you this. Uh, I'm going to pause the reading of Dr. Sabah's email. You know who is what I call, uh, well, you know who. Uh, So we can't call Taylor Heineke you know who because we already have a former Washington quarterback who we call you know who. You can't have two you know who's. Uh, We continue and I'm going to edit the email because (laughs) Dr. Sabah puts forth quite the statistical argument 
for Taylor Heineke, continues Dr. Sabah. Ron Rivera, over the 2021 and 2022 seasons, won 15 games. 12 were won by Taylor. Ron has won just four out of 13 games with Sam Howell. You know, the supposed upgrade at quarterback. Terry McLaurin, over the 2021 and 2022 seasons, had seven 100-yard receiving games. This season, Terry has, wait for it, zero 100-yard receiving games with the upgrade at quarterback, who has three times the pass attempts that Taylor had. And I'm not bashing Sam. I like Sam. Taylor woke up, Terry, which led to the team waking up and playing with more energy and confidence. You can't be the leader of a team when you are one of the worst producers on the team. Taylor was way underrated by the media, the fans, and Ron Rivera. Every win was because of our defense, our great receiving core, our great running game. Every loss was because of the quarterback. (laughs) Now that we have the quarterback upgrade, The defense, all of a sudden, is horrendous, and the receiving core can't get separation. You can't make this stuff up. I don't care that Taylor is doing nothing in Atlanta. He was good here. He was good for us fans, for Terry, for the defense, parentheses, time of possession high, end of parentheses, and for the overall morale of the team. Okay, I'm done. Hopefully, I hear your response on your awesome podcast. With love, Sabah. Thank you. For the email, Dr. Sabah. I had to read that email. It was too good. Uh, Look, I am a Taylor Heineke fan. He has a Washington quarterback, all things considered, did a really nice job. Some big clutch performances, some tremendous plays, some terrific wins. Taylor Heineke's regular season record as Washington quarterback is 12-11-1. A winning record. Do you know how many Washington quarterbacks of the last 30 years can say that? Very few. Uh, I never wanted Taylor to leave. I wanted the commanders to re-sign Taylor. Heck, I during last season advocated for the commanders to sign Taylor to a contract extension because the team at the very least would have had a good QB2 locked up for years to come. But there were two problems with moving forward with Taylor Heineke as the commander's QB1. Number one, He, especially last season, enjoyed a lot of good fortune that made his play look better than it was. Taylor, for the 2022 regular season for Pro Football Focus, had a turnover-worthy play rate of 6.3%, by far the worst among qualified quarterbacks in the NFL. Number two, Taylor lacks significant upside. He can play well, he can be good, but the idea is to be great at quarterback. Do you really truly see the potential for greatness at quarterback with Taylor Heineke? Sam Howell is younger than Taylor is. Sam has a much stronger arm than Taylor has. Sam is at least as good, if not better, than Taylor as a runner. Uh, There is an upside with Sam that there is not with Taylor. But Taylor Heineke, Tay-Tay, he on this podcast will always be viewed positively. Uh, This is a pro-Taylor Heineke podcast. This is a show with a positive stance on Tay-Tay, but also a realistic stance on Tay-Tay. Or as edge defender Chase Young said during his 2020 rookie season, Heineke. Let's get it there, Heineke. Heineke. Yes, Chase, Heineke. Uh, Boy, does that seem like a long time ago. Chase Young singing the praises of Taylor Heineke. Uh, Well, a law firm 
for which we cannot sing enough praise is Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace has won billions of dollars for clients and was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firm's 2024 edition. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, Work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. Attorneys Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are experienced trial attorneys who are not afraid to take cases to trials. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, the latest DVOA rankings for the 2023 NFL regular season came out on Tuesday. DVOA, as many of you know, stands for Defense Adjusted Value Over Average. It is the uh, best measure of offense, defense, and special teams in the NFL because DVOA factors in context, i.e. down distance score, time left in the game, uh, quality of opposing defense, etc. Well, the commanders... (laughs) for this regular season now are dead last in the NFL in total defense for DVOA. Took a while to get there. Uh, The Denver Broncos over weeks one through five of this season were so bad on defense that the Broncos had had like a stranglehold on being dead last in the NFL in total defense for DVOA. But yeah, the commanders have rallied to overtake the Broncos. And this is all about pass defense. The commanders per DVOA actually are number 12 in the NFL in run defense, but are number 32 in the NFL, uh, as in dead last in the NFL in pass defense. Uh, the commander's offense for this season certainly has been far from perfect, but it is the defense that has wrecked this commander's season. The team would be a very viable potential playoff team if the defense was anything close to what it was supposed to be. We welcome Commander's analyst Mark Bullock back 
to the podcast. Mark, this commander season is joining me on the podcast on an every other week basis. Uh, he is exceptional at talking commanders from an X's and O's standpoint. He also is a commanders fan, but he does tremendous commanders film breakdowns. You can read Mark's work on his Substack Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. He puts up multiple posts per week. Make yourself a smarter commanders fan. Markbullock.substack.com is written for the Athletic and for the Washington Post. And you can follow Mark on X at Mark Bullock NFL. Mark, we all knew that this commander season could be bad, but losing the last two games by a combined score of 90-25, the team for this regular season now being just 2-9 and nine since the 2-0 and start, uh, and now having an NFL worst point differential of minus 134. Are you surprised by how bad this commander season has gotten? Yeah, well, I think we all kind of went into the season expecting the defense to be significantly better than it was or has been, um, uh, given, you know, they spent their first and second round picks on the defense and, and the unit was a, a decent unit last year. Um, and, and, you know, we, I think we've talked about it plenty on this show, uh, how they kind of randomly decided to switch what was working for, for them last year and, and and go to playing different coverages and man coverage and, and not really suit their personnel. And, the defense has struggled massively because of that, and and so uh, I think the offense, by and large, like yes, you'd like to have seen them be a little bit more competitive, certainly in these last few games against better opposition. But um, you kind of expect some up and downs with a young quarterback in a first year in his offense, and Eric Bieniemy in his first year trying to prove himself, and um, you kind of expect some up and downs from the offense. Um, but you thought, or certainly I, I think that the general thought was the defense would stay solid and, and keep them in games. And, and I, I thought they would have probably been more around the kind of 500 mark than, than where they are now. So, um, yeah, it, it's been a little bit of a surprise, not necessarily a huge surprise. I, I never thought they were going to be a, a 12 win team, but um, I, I thought they would be at least a little bit better than, than four or nine at this point. We all hoped that that would be the case, but uh, it is not so. Uh, So a lot of trade talk lately, even though NFL teams can't make trades until the offseason. But you on Sunday, shortly after the Commander's 45-15 loss to the Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field, posted on X that the Commanders this coming offseason should probably trade receiver Terry McLaurin and interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen. Uh, John, on Monday morning on the Sports Junkies on 106.7 The Fan, expressed an openness to being traded. And I, on Tuesday's show, episode 713, said that the team's next head of football operations should be open to trading every player on the team, including Terry, John, and interior defensive lineman Deron Payne. When it comes to whoever is running Commander's football operations after this season, how aggressive should that person be regarding trading guys like Terry, John, and Deron? Should the person be open to trading those guys? Should the person be aggressively shopping those guys? What do you think? I think it largely depends on how they view the overall roster and and whether they think, is this a team that actually we quite like a lot of the core components of it and we feel like with a new coaching staff and a few new additions and you know, spending some high draft picks on the offensive line and stuff, and Sam Howell could be the quarterback. Like, if, if that's the mindset, then you think, actually, this thing can be turned around pretty quickly. 
and we don't need to sell off any part that is, you know, not part of the long-term future of the organization. Um, and at that point, if you're, if you're going down that route where you're, you're thinking that you can actually turn this thing around quickly, then you want those experienced players, your best players, McLaurin and, and, and Allen, you need those guys to be key contributors. So you, you then don't go aggressively trading them. Now, if you get a top 10 pick offer for them, which you're not going to, but hypothetically, if you were, then you would listen, obviously. But um, I think if you're thinking you can turn this thing around quickly and, and rebuild quickly and, and more of a retool rather than a rebuild, then you don't do that. But um, I think what we're seeing from this team as the season goes on and, and the, the losses pile up and, and the, the scores keep getting more and more wildly out of hand, um, that it feels like there's probably going to be more of a overall rebuild needed. Um, at which point, if you're looking at something, and a rebuild doesn't have to take the three to five years that Rivera said when he first came here. We've seen plenty of teams that can turn things around in two years. Um, but that requires sort of clearing out the, the older and the bigger contracts, and it requires going a lot younger and, and finding a quarterback. And, and maybe that's how, maybe that's not. But um, if, if you're going to go down the path of, like, they have a top-five pick, then maybe you're thinking, well, well, we're that close to getting our own quarterback, Sam Howell, we like, but there's a chance of getting an elite guy and, and maybe we go make that move. And if we're going to go make that move, then you're thinking for the future. And, and at that point, you're thinking, well, Terry McLaurin's going to be 29 at the start of next season. Um, he's going into the final two years of, of that big contract extension that he signed. Is he realistically going to be are we going to be competing in that two years that he's got left on his contract? And, and if we're not, is are we going to be signing him to an extension after that when he's 31, 32? Um, I, I think that's kind of unlikely. So at that point, you then turn around and go, well, maybe maybe we can get something back for him, get maybe a second-round pick or something like that for him, um, and, and use that asset to either maybe help you go up and get the quarterback that you want or help you build the offensive line or, or another weapon around him. So, um, and the same goes for a guy like Jonathan Allen or basically anyone that's over kind of the age of 27, 28 ish. Um, and on a contract that would be somewhat expensive and, and in two years time is kind of not on the right side of 30. Um, then, then I think you'd be a little bit more aggressive doing that, but uh, it largely depends on, on the new general manager and how they feel about the, the current talent on the roster. Determining trade value in the NFL is tricky. That said, who on the commanders has the most trade value right now? Uh, I mean, I guess it would have to be McLaurin or Jonathan Allen. They're, they're the best players um, and they're the most, they have the most impact on a, on a contending team. Um, but obviously they're also, as we just talked about approaching 30 on big contracts. So, um, you'd have to take that into consideration. Um, maybe Deron Payne, who's a, who's a few years younger, um, he's not necessarily someone I would be looking to move because he is those few years younger and, and you feel like he can live through that contract a little bit better um, and and still be a good player under 30 when, when however long this rebuild might take. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily be looking to move him, but maybe that would be a better value move in terms of getting the most back in return. Um, otherwise, you're looking at maybe, 
I don't know, maybe I would have said Cam Curl, but obviously he's not under contract. Um, maybe Johan Dotson or uh, Sam Cosme, but that's kind of clutching at straws. I don't think you're getting too much back for them. So uh, I think overall you're looking at probably McLaurin or, or Allen. Here's a hypothetical for you. Sam Howell plays well over the Commander's final four games this regular season, but the team still winds up with a top four pick in the 2024 NFL Draft, in which the team's new head of football operations wants to take a quarterback. The person likes Sam, but doesn't see him as a true QB1. Under that scenario, might Sam Howell have significant trade value this offseason? I certainly think he'd have some trade value. Like I think he's proven this year that he can play in the league. Um, I, I think the question is, with uh, perhaps a slightly different offensive structure that um, helps him a little bit more, uh, whether he can take the lessons that he's learned from this year and with a, a, a structure that helps him a little bit more, be more consistently productive and, and cut down on the negative stuff like the sacks and the interceptions the last few weeks and stuff like that. Um and be a consistent starting quarterback, or whether he's going to be one of those kind of um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Taylor Heineke types that is a high-end backup. Um, those guys have value. Uh, I don't know how much trade value they have necessarily. I, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any team out there that are thinking if we can't get our own quarterback, we'll go and trade a first-round pick for Sam Howell. Like I, I think maybe if if he's a free agent, he's someone that might get a, a decent free agent contract as, as an option to sort of compete with a rookie or something like that. But uh, I would think I would think any new GM would probably see Hal as someone that at the very least could be a very a valuable backup to any rookie quarterback. Um, and if not, potentially their quarterback number one going into next year. Yeah, the commanders in Sam Howell, at the very least, have a capable QB2. The question is, is he a viable QB1? I did not think that he had a very good game in the loss to the Dolphins, but he did make some nice off-schedule completions and some nice third-down completions, and he was impactful as a runner, four carries for 21 yards and two touchdowns, and he, for the game, was the commander's highest-graded offensive player for Pro Football Focus, overall grade of 71.5 PFF grades on a scale of 0 to 100. You and your substack on Monday came out with an interesting piece, headline, quote, Dolphins showed template for slowing down Howell commander's offense, end quote. What do you make of how Sam did in that loss to the Dolphins? Yeah, I thought the offense kind of got uh, a little bit found out. Um, I, I, the, the piece I wrote, I, I said the Dolphins kind of set a template for, for how to kind of stall Washington's offense and, and how. Um, and, and I said that it's kind of been something that's shown up in every game this year. That there's been a particular kind of blitz rush that the teams have used um, where they they have a, a linebacker join the rush and um, the offensive line ends up getting squeezed and overloaded um, and Hal needs to do a better job of recognizing that pre-snap and, and sliding the, the line into it so that you can get that picked up but the Dolphins ran that look five or six times throughout the game and every single time the, the offensive line was overloaded so they weren't picking it up so the process post snap, how was doing it correctly? He was, you know, he saw the rusher. He would check to his hot route, usually in the flat, and he'd get the ball out quickly, and they'd complete a pass. But it'd be 
the the Dolphins were expecting that. They knew that's exactly what you would do in that situation, and so they would rally up and make the tackle. And instead of getting three or four yards, they were getting maybe one or two. Sometimes tackled for a loss, so um, they were shutting that down, and that obviously then set up kind of second and long, third and long situations, which Washington doesn't really handle very well. So um, that's the kind of thing that I think how needs to take another step in his in his development, and it's something that earlier in the year those those blitzes were turning into sacks. Um, so Howell has done a better job of identifying them post-snap and getting the ball out quickly to beat them. Um, the next step for him is identifying them pre-snap and adjusting the protection so that those blitzes get picked up. Um, and then he's not having to throw hot. Then he's still being able to read the defense and then push the ball downfield a little bit more. Um, so that's a, a, a thing that, that was one of the big takeaways um, but because the Dolphins were able to kind of stall Washington's offense by by showing that look over and over um, and getting pressure over and over, Washington wasn't really able to get into the the core of their offense, their, their quick game stuff, their intermediate passing game, the, the typical West Coast concepts. And, and that meant that the only real production offense came from Howell's ability to go off script. And, and that was where we saw those plays where he was able to scramble around, buy some time, finds you know Curtis Samuel running down the field off script and Antonio Gibson running down the field off script and and, and things like that and you know even the the touchdown the, the second touchdown where he just ran for it himself um, so the, obviously there is still a player in there that can make plays and, and do the stuff off script you would just like to see them have a, a another plan of attack when they can't seem to sort out that that blitz look pre-snap um, you'd like to see maybe Eric the enemy um, come up with some more creative solutions and then and present the defense with some different looks that actually we have to worry about this look rather than we're just going to use that same blitz over and over again because we know they can't handle it. Much more with Mark Bullock in moments. I'm going to next ask him about Terry McLaurin in that loss to the Dolphins having no receptions on just three targets. What the heck happened? Well, What always happens with Nova Fireplace and Stove is sit doing excellent work for customers. If you are in need of fireplace, stove, or chimney work, and you live in Northern Virginia, get with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Nova Fireplace and Stove is outstanding. It handles gas fireplace sales service and installation, handles gas, electric, and wood stoves, and handles chimney cleaning and repair. If you live in Northern Virginia, stay warm and upgrade the feel and value of your home with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Offer good while supplies last, but this is a tremendous deal. Nova Fireplace and Stove, it has been around for more than 20 years. It is run by big commanders fans, my guys Daniel and Stewart, and it has outstanding professionals. Uh, whatever the work that you need done requires, Nova Fireplace and Stove has. Master Gas Fitter, master electrician, class A contractor, licensed chimney inspector. And because of this, Nova Fireplace and Stove can complete your project without the need for any subcontractors. And Nova Fireplace and Stove can pull all of the necessary county permits for the work 
that is being done. Additionally, Nova Fireplace and Stove can perform fireplace and chimney safety inspections. See for yourself the work that Nova Fireplace and Stove can do. It is a showroom in Woodbridge, Virginia, and has a terrific website, Nova Fireplace and Stove. And take advantage of this great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Join the Nova Fireplace and Stove family and experience the fireplace service and care that you deserve. Call 571-513-3803. That's 571-513-3803. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. More now with Commander's Analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. Terry McLaurin, uh, he and the loss to the Dolphins having no receptions on just three targets was (laughs) disturbing in so many ways. You on your Substack on Tuesday morning came out with a piece headline, quote, who's to blame for Terry McLaurin receiving no catches against the Dolphins, end quote. Yeah, we've all been wondering that. Uh, Who is to blame? Yeah, so it it was an interesting one because I came out of the game thinking like everyone else that you can't have your best receiver only getting three targets and no catches and, and not getting the ball uh, when when you're losing in the way that you do. Um, that That's just not good enough and, and the enemy needs to do a better job. But when I went back and actually watched the game, yes, there was only three balls that were thrown in Terry McLaurin's way, so that was what counted as the targets. But there was actually five or six plays in the first half that were all designed to go to Terry McLaurin. Um, and for one reason or another, they didn't get there. They, they ran a couple of dagger concepts where uh, McLaurin's the primary guy. The, the, the basic of a dagger concept is you have an inside receiver running vertical to clear out the safety, and then McLaurin on the outside runs a, a deep inbreaker, a deep dig uh, into that vacated space. And um, they ran that a couple of times, and then both times that they ran it, McLaurin was open. Um, the, the first time, how kind of made an odd read and, and was late to get there. And then by the time he got there, there was um, a guy in the throwing window. Um, if he had, if he had done a better job of anticipating it and reading it, the, the throw was there in the initial window. Um, and then he ended up getting sacked because he was, he was late to it. And then um, on the second time they had that dagger concept, they McLaurin ran such a good route that the, the corner fell over trying to cover him. Um, and he was wide open, but, they had pressure from Andrew Wiley off the right side and Tyler Larson inside and, and Hal was having to try to squeeze in between them and then ended up getting hit and, and tried to throw it away. And, and that was the play McLaurin actually broke up what probably should have been an interception. So um, they had a few plays like that. They, they had obviously the shot, the place, the, the play action shot down the field to McLaurin um, where again, a, a rusher came free off the left side um, from a similar kind of blitz look that, that I talked about Um with Hal, um, he came free and he, he hit Hal as he was trying to deliver that throw down the field. And if Hal was able to just stand there and deliver the throw, McLaurin was wide open. So, um, and as it was, McLaurin still nearly managed to make the catch. So uh, that would have been a, a, a 30 yard touchdown. Um, they had a, uh, they isolated him a few times where they, they put all four receivers on the other side of the field to isolate McLaurin one on one and, and, there was a play where he had beaten his defender off the line and, and had a step going down the field. Um, but again, it was that blitz look that I talked about where the Dolphins 
um, overloaded one side of the line. And, and as soon as Howell saw that, he then had to check to the running back in the flat and throw hot instead of being able to set up and throw down the field to McLaurin. So they had a number of plays that were designed to go to McLaurin um, for one reason or another. They, they weren't able to get there. Um, so it's not like it was just they completely abandoned the idea of getting the ball to McLaurin. Um, they actually had quite a few plays that I think were designed for him. Um, they just didn't get there um, due to pressure or sometimes how not necessarily reading it correctly, but mainly due to pressure, really. Um, so that for me, that was that was an isolated incident in that game where they just struggled to get him the ball because of the pressure and the ways they were trying to get him the ball. Um, I, I actually wrote about it last week as well, how... It feels like every other week there's McLaurin's not getting targets and then it's Dotson's not getting targets and Samuel's not getting targets. And that's that's by design of the offense. Um, it's not an offense that is about feeding the ball to your top two targets. It's about having so many targets that the defense has to kind of pick their poison and you let the coverage dictate who's going to get the ball. Um, and that's a, a fair philosophy that you can use to, to make use of the amount of weapons that Washington has, but it does mean you're going to have weeks where McLaurin doesn't get as many balls, but sometimes Chris Samuel does, or Samuel's not going to get the balls this week, but John Dotson will, or you know they've, they've got Logan Thomas, they've got Gibson and, and Robinson out of the backfield, um, they've got decent depth with Deami Brown, Jameson Crowder, Brian Pringle, they, they've all contributed, so... Um, they have a lot of pieces that can get the ball. Um, so they, they kind of spread that out amongst those pieces. Um, so that's the kind of philosophical reason for them not feeding McLaurin quite so heavily. But um, I think in this game, they, they did try to get him the ball. It was just it didn't work out for them for typically because of the pressure that Howe was under. This philosophy of commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy of spreading targets as opposed to concentrating on feeding one or two guys, is that the right philosophy for this team is currently constructed? I, I, I think when you have the number of weapons that they do have, um, I, I can understand the approach that Bieniemy has taken, uh, where they're just trying to spread the ball around and, and um, let the defense kind of pick their poison and, and dictate who's going to beat them um, because, you know, it's not like the other guys aren't talented. Like Jahan Dotson was a first round pick and had a, an incredible rookie year until he got hurt. And Curtis Samuel is a very, very talented player um, in his own right. And, and we've seen lately, like he's, he's looked really good lately and, and they've done some interesting stuff with him in the backfield and stuff like that, which um, has been really good. Um, Logan Thomas is is a very good receiving tight end, and and you know Deami Brown is a good deep threat on the outside. Jameson Crowder's proven to be a valuable pickup and a, a good slot receiver. Um, and the backs, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, have, have proved that that they can they can be threats out of the backfield too. So it, it it's not like the other guys that are getting the ball aren't threats themselves. Um, I, I think maybe perhaps where you maybe try to find a little bit more of a balance is rather than subbing in those bottom receivers on, on, on the depth chart quite so frequently where you see, you know, Pringle and, and Deami Brown and, and Crowder come in quite so often. I, I think maybe you'd like to see McLaurin and, and Dotson and Samuel be the, the main three guys. Um, and that way 
just from them being on the field more frequently, they're going to get the ball more often. Um, so rather than sharing the targets between five or six or seven receivers, those targets are going between just the main three and, and then obviously Logan Thomas or the backs. So um, I think that would be the balance I'd try to strike. Um, maybe a new head coach and offensive coordinator or play caller next year will see that differently and think, I'm just going to feed Terry McLaurin and John Knotson. And, and obviously next year it could look very different with like Curtis Samuels, a free agent, and, and maybe they decide Logan Thomas is too much of a cap hit for them to to go there and, and they find a new tight end or something like that. So maybe then they have less weapons and they think we're just going to feed Terry and, and Jahan. Um, and, and maybe that, that works out better for them. But I can understand given they have this depth of receiver that they're, they're taking the philosophy of, of spreading that ball around a little bit more. What I guess the question is, and this goes back to the trade conversation earlier, how much of a number one receiver is Terry McLaurin? We routinely see other teams' number one receivers get double-digit targets in games. Like, is Terry a number one receiver who is worthy of the commanders going out of their way to target? Or is Terry just a number one receiver because he is the best receiver on this team? Yeah, I I guess this year he's not necessarily had his best year in in terms of being that number one guy. Um, And I think part of that plays into like the the rest of the receiving group that they have when when you have guys like Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel they're they're shiftier guys they suit being able to play inside a little bit more um, and so it's hard to move him around inside and, and get in the ball and obviously you could force feed him the ball you could put him in those positions but then to do that you're if you're taking away from what Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson do so well so I, I think they they they've gone for trying to find more of a balance than just going for saying he's our number one guy. We're just going to force him the ball and, and saying that like last week in that piece I wrote last week about the philosophy of this offense. When you look at the target share, like Terry McLaurin is still getting the, the most targets in the offense, and he still does have the most catches. Like before this game, I think he had like a hundred and I think he had ninety seven targets. And when you compare that to say the Eagles, where um, AJ Brown is obviously one of the, the best receivers in the league, and, and they're force feeding him the ball. AJ Brown has something like 104 targets. So before this week, McLaurin had something like six or seven targets less than AJ Brown. Um, so it's not like they aren't targeting him too often. Like he's he's not down at 50 targets, and and it's all just going to everyone else. He's getting the targets. They're just they're not necessarily schemed up the same way, um, and. and it's not being those situations where it's like, well, we have to get Brown the ball. Um, and so we're scheming things up to get AJ Brown the ball, whereas Washington aren't doing that. Um, to your point of, could they, is he worth doing that for? I, I think he is to a degree. Um, I think if you don't have the depth that receiver that they currently have, then yes, you definitely would be looking to do that. But I think, I understand given they have. Jahan Dotson, who they like, they have Curtis Samuel, you know, Logan Thomas, all those receivers and, and backs and, and tight ends. You've got so many weapons that if you're just force-feeding McLaurin the ball 15 or 20 times a game to get him his 10 or 15 targets, uh, 10 or 15 catches, um, you're taking away from the other guys. And, and I think at that point, we'd then be like, well, why isn't 
John Dotson getting the ball? Why isn't Curtis Samuel getting the ball? Like, that there's more than just one weapon. Um, and, and so, and I think as well as that, when you're looking at the development of a young quarterback like Sam Howell, yes, it's nice to have that number one receiver that you can just throw the ball up to as, as a kind of security blanket. And they have done that a few times this season. But I think when you're looking at his development long term, you would much rather have him reading out a defense and understanding where the correct place to go with the ball is than have him going, okay, I'm in trouble, just default to throwing it up to Terry McLaurin. Um, because, you know, maybe five times out of ten that does work, that you can just throw it up to McLaurin and he goes up and makes a play. But maybe it's eight or nine times out of ten where if you're making the right read, you're getting the ball out to the right guy, then you're having a better overall product. Um, so, and obviously the product this year hasn't been great, but I think in terms of the development of how long-term, um, I can understand that approach probably better than just making him lock onto his number one guy and, and force-feeding him. One more for you. Something that continues to come up with the commander's offense is the offensive line, as in, it is terrible. <laughs> uh, and yet, the advanced stats say otherwise. For example, the commanders for this regular season through week 12 were number 15 in the NFL in ESPN's pass block win rate, which is based on player tracking data from the NFL's next-gen stats. So this isn't based on some uh, computer science major trying to watch the all-22. So like, this is based on player tracking data. Uh, we have talked at length about the sacks and how so many of them have been on Sam Howell, although he has gotten better in that regard. But the truth about this commander's offensive line matters. What is that truth? Is it the problem that people make it out to be? Uh, I, I fall somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I, I started the season by defending the offensive line by saying that, in general, they have been good enough for how to play efficiently and get the ball out on time. Um, and that, for the most part, still rings true um, when they're running the kind of quick game and intermediate stuff. Um, when they're trying to push the ball downfield a little bit more, then, then they do have a few more issues there. Um, but generally speaking, they they are decent enough to give Howell the time to get the ball out on time to his first or second read um, and be really efficient. Um, now, the question of did Rivera build the offensive line correctly, I think when you, when you go into the season knowing Sam Howell's going to be your quarterback and you know that his history in college is that he does hold on to the ball and take sacks, I think that kind of leads to the question of why are you not address, adding better pieces to the offensive line that give Howe a little bit more time in the pocket than having to be extremely efficient with the ball. And we've seen Howe become more efficient just because of the offensive line play. He's kind of had to, otherwise he's just going to get murdered back there taking too many hits. So um, that that's a positive that Howe has learned to be more efficient, but um, it means that they've struggled to push the ball down the fields. Um, and, and certainly, like as I said, with the, the shot down the field to McLaurin, like, they just had free rushers, and, and they, they've had some issues with, particularly on the left side, with, with Chris Paul, left guard. Um, he's really struggled in, in pass protection. Um, and again, a lot of it is that they're not identifying stuff pre-snap and adjusting the protection to pick that up, um, because the every team is running that same look over and over again at them, and until Howell or maybe Larson or, you know, whoever is in charge of, of identifying that stuff at the snap and adjusting the protection, um, 
until they start seeing it, until they start seeing the tells, the little clues in the defense that, okay, this is that look, we need to adjust the protection and slide it, then the offensive line is just going to keep being overloaded. Um, and there's nothing – if you have three guys rushing and you only have two guys on the one side of the line to pick up those three guys – Three into two doesn't go. So, like, it, the, there's going to be someone overloaded. There's going to be a free rusher, and House going to have to get the ball out. So, until they start identifying that stuff and and picking up those blitzes more consistently, then it's hard to be overly critical on the offensive line because they're just not being put in a great position. But I think when you look at just the ability to block one on one, like Andrew Wiley's obviously come in for a lot of criticism, and he does have those reps. He probably has four or five bad reps a game where. It's like, come on, you, you, you should be doing better than that. But um, Charles Leno typically has one or two, especially when he's against a, a, a real good speed rusher on the edge. Um, but he's generally pretty solid. Um, and, and Sam Cosme, I've been watch- I've been going back for an article for him later this week. I've been going back and um, watching his play at right guard this season. And, and actually, he's been doing a really nice job. So um, uh, the main problems have been at center and, and left guard. Um, and obviously they, they had the season starting with Nick Gates at center and Sadiq Charles at left guard. And Gates got benched and then Charles got injured. And, and Chris Paul has, has really struggled at left guard at, at picking up stunts and stuff. And then that's why most of those those blitzes and stuff is, is going off that left side because Paul's struggling with them. Um, and Larson hasn't done a good enough job really of, of helping out. So um, those are their main problem issues. Um so the, the, the line does need to do better, um, but I, I think, as I say, in general, they've been decent enough to give the quarterback time to get the ball out efficiently. Um, but when you have a young quarterback with a tendency to hold on to the ball and take sacks, you would probably look back at the offseason and think maybe they should have invested more in that line in, in ensuring that how doesn't have to be super efficient for the offense to be able to work. That pre-snap recognition point is key. We don't know with certainty how many of Commander's protection calls are on Sam Howell versus how many are on center Tyler Larson, but we do know that Nick Gates got benched as the starting center in favor of Larson due to protection calls. And so as some of the pressures being allowed are on pre-snap recognition, as you pointed out, is that on Sam Howell or Tyler Larson? Because that answer obviously matters in assessing it the offensive line. Commander's analyst, Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. Mark, my friend, thank you, and we'll talk soon. Of course, thank you. All right. By the way, off Mark talking about left guard Chris Paul having struggled, uh, Paul, for the loss to the Dolphins, was the lowest graded Commander's offensive player for pro football focus, overall grade of 32.9. Four games left for the Commanders in this regular season. The final two games are home games, so home to the San Francisco 49ers on New Year's Eve afternoon at 1, and home to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday, January 7th. Uh, The GameTime app is offering outstanding deals on tickets to these games, for which you could also get parking. Uh, You know, this Commander's season, yes, it is rough, but it can be of benefit to you via a great deal on tickets to a Commander's game. Tickets, perhaps, for you or for someone who you care about as we are in the midst of the holiday season. And know that the best deals for tickets to Commander's games are from the GameTime app. Download the GameTime app create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off 
your first purchase. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the GameTime app. Uh, what makes GameTime great is its best price guarantee. You don't have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. GameTime's best price guarantee means that you'll always get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about GameTime is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team venue or artist. Uh, also, GameTime is the app for last-minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. GameTime also offers flash deals on tickets, and tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. GameTime is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country. Find out why. Get the tickets without the stress with GameTime, which is offering a great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Download the GameTime app and use that promo code ALGALDI. GameTime, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, we all love the NFL and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking players for your fantasy team, only with Little Caesars pizza you never lose. And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. Hey, thank you to all of you who have given this podcast a five-star rating and who have written nice reviews of the podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. It can be just 
a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. Uh, let's get into what NFL insider Josina Anderson of CBS Sports had in a post on X on Tuesday morning. Uh, Josina Anderson has covered the NFL for years. She clearly has contacts. Now, her reputation in recent times has taken some hits. Uh, first of all, Josina was one of the national media members who this past offseason scolded the commanders for not trying to trade for Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. She was over the top with how much she was like lobbying for the commanders to try to trade for Lamar. It was like she was on Lamar's payroll. Uh, also, uh, Josina on X puts out posts that often are wordy and confusing. You may remember this. She on October 9th put out this like mile long post on X about commander's managing partner Josh Harris potentially firing head coach Ron Rivera and or other members of the coaching staff. I just yesterday finished reading <laughs> what Josina reported. Anyway, uh, this was what Josina had on Tuesday morning. Quote, I'm told the Chicago Bears are expected to have interest in commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, among others, with general knowledge that current HC Matt Eberflus is under evaluation with the team at four and eight per source, end quote. So per Josina Anderson, there is expected interest from the Bears in Eric Bieniemy for a potentially vacant Bears head coaching job. Uh, we all know about the saga that is Eric Bieniemy trying to get an NFL head coaching job. Heck, that's why he's here, right? Eric isn't working for the commanders because it was his lifelong dream to join a coaching staff that was going into a win or get fired season. No, Eric's working for the commanders because they offered him an opportunity to have near total control of an offense, soup to nuts control of an offense, as opposed to what had been the case for him as Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, him playing second fiddle to head coach Andy Reid, who was the Chiefs' primary offensive play caller. The belief is that Eric Bieniemy has interviewed for 16 NFL head coaching jobs with 15 teams. He has not gotten a single one of those jobs. But very interestingly, among those jobs was not the Bears' head coaching job in January 2022. The Bears in January 2022 hired Ryan Poles, as their general manager. Uh, Ryan Poles had spent the previous 13 seasons, 2009 through 2021, working for the Chiefs. And yet, Poles in January 2022 hired Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus as Bears head coach. In fact, Poles never even interviewed Eric Bieniemy. And Poles, in case you don't know, is black. And I bring that up because there, of course, has been a theory that Eric's race has had something to do with him not getting an NFL head coaching job. Uh, hey, <laughs> maybe Ryan Poles is like the great Dave Chappelle character, Clayton Bigsby, the world's only black white supremacist, <laughs> okay? But Ryan Poles is black. The Ryan Poles thing really stood out to me. He worked with Eric Bieniemy for years and yet didn't even interview him for the Bears head coaching job. Now, I suppose that you could say, hey, the Bears' previous head coach had been Matt Nagy, 
And he had been the Chiefs offensive coordinator prior to Eric Bieniemy, And so maybe that somehow worked against Poles interviewing Eric. But geez, Poles not interviewing Eric certainly stood out. Well, maybe now Ryan Poles is wanting to interview Eric Bieniemy for the Bears head coaching job. Uh, I do like what Eric has done with the commander's offense this season in being so pass heavy. I know that some people don't like that. I do like that. Uh, I think that that has expedited the, wait for it, growth and development. Growth and development? Yes, thank you, head coach Ron Rivera. Growth and development of quarterback Sam Howell. But Eric certainly has had some rough games, and you can't say that this commander's offense is some juggernaut. The commanders for this regular season are just 23rd out of 32 NFL teams in total offense per DVOA. But hey, if you are Eric Bieniemy, you totally should jump at the chance to get the Bears head coaching job if it becomes available. The Bears via the Carolina Panthers are poised to have the number one overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Whoever is the Bears' head coach next season is poised to have USC quarterback and Gonzaga College High School product, the pride of Washington, D.C., Caleb Williams as the Bears' QB1. And I know that some of the sparkle has come off of Caleb Williams, but still, he is viewed as a great quarterback prospect. Uh, now, could Eric Bieniemy end up as the commander's next head coach? Yeah, that is possible, but... I would not hold your breath on that. Uh, the commander's next head coach should be determined by the commander's next head of football operations. And there are no guarantees that that person will want Eric Bieniemy as the team's head coach. Uh, to say nothing of these continued rumblings that commander's offensive players are not in love with Eric's coaching style. Although with how bad the commanders are this season. I'm really not that interested in whether players' feathers are being ruffled by a coach in Eric Bieniemy who yells a lot, okay? Like, I don't have much of an appetite uh, for complaining from commanders players right now. I do have an appetite for underdog fantasy, which is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports. And it has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code Galdi. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, Galdi. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use that promo code Galdi. Underdog Fantasy offers fantasy football, fantasy basketball, fantasy hockey. Underdog Fantasy offers daily contests and season-long fantasy. In fact, Underdog Fantasy offers season-long fantasy with a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be really time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get $100 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use that promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE. 
NY and in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. Well, Virginia for the latest Associated Press Top 25 Men's College Basketball Poll, which came out on Monday, is number one among others receiving votes. Uh, James Madison, by the way, was up four spots to number 18, but the Cavaliers on Tuesday night improved at eight and one overall this season, a 77-47 blowout of North Carolina Central at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia. This game was exactly what you wanted it to be if you're a UVA fan. The Cavs never trailed. They won the first half 41-17. They, for the game, had 24 assists versus just five turnovers. Uh, another good game for 6-4, Isaac McNeely. He, for a second consecutive game, went 6-8 of eight on threes. He, in 25 minutes, 57 seconds as a starter, scored 22 points. And he had a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 29. Uh, McNeely went 2-3 on twos. The Wahoos saved for one game this season, the 65-41 loss to Wisconsin in Fort Myers, Florida on November 20th. It looked good. Uh, the Hoos for this season are the number Four team in Division One in KenPalm.com's adjusted defensive efficiency, which is points allowed per 100 possessions adjusted for opponents. Next up for Virginia, home to Northeastern, but not until Saturday evening, December 16th at 6. And that will do it. For you and me for now, keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 715. We'll provide you with more on the Commanders. Also, I'll talk Wizards and Maryland basketball. The Wizards are home to the Philadelphia 76ers Wednesday night at 7. Maryland is home to Penn State Wednesday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Let's get it there, Heineke. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase, plus get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com